boy, it's been eight days. Let's see if I remember how to do this. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to the Conference Championship Round edition of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2017-2018 NFL playoffs. The AFC and NFC Conference Championships are set ready to be played both games on Sunday. I only have to miss about an hour of the early game because of work, so it's pretty well an ideal situation for both games to be on Sunday. Let's look at how poorly I did in the divisional round before we get into the picks for the conference championships. And that's not really a joke. Honestly, the divisional round did not go very well for me. Straight up, I was only one and three picking the four games, which has me four and four now across the playoffs. Against the spread, I was two and two for the second week in a row. That has me four and four as well across the playoffs. And over under, I was only one and three, which has me four and four on the over under. So I'm batting a perfect 500 here across the board. In my own defense, and this is the only time that I'll say it as we're going through it, it took the combined efforts of some of the all-time worst play calling that I have ever seen in the Pittsburgh game. Uh, one of the most sure-handed wide receivers in football missing a pass in the end zone that would have won the game from Atlanta, and the single worst defensive play in NFL history in the Minnesota-New Orleans game, it took the combined efforts of those three things to kind of put me at the record last week that I was. In saying that, the fact that three of the four games were one-possession games meant, hey, the football games last week were incredible. On the AFC side of things, the one thing that's for sure, Patriots cover at home. New England defeats the Tennessee Titans 35-14, to and I won that game across the board. It was my only straight-up win of the week. It was my only over-under win of the week as the game went over 47 points, only by a couple, and I won it against the spread. As I told you, New England would cover the 13.5 points. Number three, Jacksonville in the other AFC matchup, of course, defeating number two, Pittsburgh, 45-42. to Pittsburgh played uh, terrified in that game. I thought Roethlisberger was terrified of getting hit, terrified of getting hurt. Jacksonville was in his head. They were in his head right from week five straight through. I said this was a risk. It was a worry. And look, just too many turnovers and... It just, it cost them way too much. They almost came back in that game. And if Mike Tomlin, I said it was the only time I was going to say it, it's the first quarter, kick the field goal. Anyways, they lose that game 45-42. to It was a straight up loss and an over-under loss, as I told you to stay under the 40.5 points in that game. And both teams covered that on their own, so I was way off base on that one. That was my only other against the spread win, as I told you. Even if you liked Pittsburgh to win the game, Jacksonville plus 7.5 was the way to go. And I completely whiffed on everything on the NFC side. I whiffed on both the winners, because I thought Atlanta and New Orleans would win those games. They did not. Philly beat Atlanta 15-10. to Minnesota beats New Orleans 29-24. to uh, they were both against the spread losses. I had Atlanta minus three. Well, they lost the game. And New Orleans plus four, and they lost the game by five. So look at that. I was right there. And over under lost both of them. I told you to go over 41 points in Philly, Atlanta. They only get to 25. And I told you to stay under 45 and a half in Minnesota, New Orleans, which would have worked out 
Actually, it wouldn't have worked out, but it would have been a lot closer had that last play not happened to put six more points on the board. Taking a look now at the Bridgewater's Finest and Hatbox Pick'em Pools for Season 6 of my show and Year 4 of Chris's Pool. In the Bridgewater's Finest Pool, I now sit in a tie for 6th place out of 35, which is no change from my ranking last week. I have 1,508 out of 2,146 possible confidence points. That is a clip of exactly... 70%. And in the division round, again, I only brought in 16 out of the 40 possible confidence points. I got my most confident picked in New England, but missed out on all the other ones. So that's only a clip of 40%. And ladies and gentlemen, that is what they call not good enough. Shout out to our division round winner, and there was only one of them, and it's like last season, I refuse to say this person's name out loud, but I will abbreviate it. 2ITP1ITS. They went a perfect 4-0 with 40 out of 40 possible confidence points, 100% of the way, the only person to go undefeated last week, so shout out, you got the win in the division round. More than a Thielen and nice Pats fan, these two have been battling for the last few weeks, and now it's officially a dead heat. More than a Thielen and nice Pats fan both have exactly 1,574 out of the 2,146 possible confidence points, and they now also have the exact same straight-up record. So it is a tie right now. There's 40 confidence points left to go. we got to see which one of them is going to fall off here before the end of the season. It is a dogfight for the overall lead. With only 40 total confidence points left to be won, all but the top four in the league are now mathematically eliminated from winning the overall championship. Unfortunately, that does include me. But hey, let's see if we can't dig our way here into the top five. Popping over to the hatbox pool, despite the fact that I only went one and three, I'm now in a tie for fifth place, which is plus one position from where I was last week out of the 39 people making picks in the league. And of course, there's 35 in the Bridgewater's Finest pool. I have 172 games picked correctly straight up out of the now 264 NFL football games that have been played this season plus the playoffs. That's a clip of 65%. And in the division round, of course, I only brought in one of the four games correctly, which is only a clip of 25%. And it's again what they call not good enough. Shout out to our two division round winners in the Hatbox pool. Hatbox's picks, he wins the week in his own pool, as well as New England number one. They both went three and one in the division rounds. Got three out of the four games correct. That's a clip of 75%. Rel Eagles Fly remains our overall leader with 181 of the 264 games in the NFL picked correctly this season. That's a clip of 69%. Nice. And it's right around where you want to be with only three games left now, the AFC and NFC Conference Championships and the Super Bowl in Minnesota. Only one team, Team Avatar 112, can catch Rel Eagles Fly. There's only one person that can knock Rel Eagles Fly off the mountain. It's going to be a tough climb. But again, let's see if we can't maintain our position here in fifth place. Maybe climb up into fourth. So shout out once again to 2ITP1ITS for winning the week in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool and to more than a Thielen and nice Pats fan for being our co-overall leaders in an absolute dead heat. 
Shout out to Hatbox's picks and New England number one for winning the division round in the Hatbox pool, and to Rel Eagles Fly, as he has been for quite a long time, for remaining the overall leader in the Hatbox pool. And I'll take this opportunity, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video on YouTube or the description of the episode on SoundCloud or iTunes, you are going to find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for the AFC and NFC Conference Championship Games. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest and Hatbox Pick'em Pools for Season 6 of my show and Year 4 of Hatbox's Pool. It is hashtag never too late. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page where we talk football all season long. We talk football in the off season. There's some off topic stuff there too. There's just great conversation with all your favorite progs. Make sure that you join the page. You're going to find information on subscribing to the Hatbox Nation YouTube channel. Hattie and Billy B put out their AFC and NFC Conference Championship predictions just yesterday. And you're also going to find information on NerdTees, nerdtees.ca. You use promo code BWFINEST. Going to save yourself 15% at checkout. Free shipping on any Canadian orders over $50. If you're American, you get the friendly bump with the conversion rate on the American dollar. It's great tea. I'm sipping my watermelon oolong right now, which I believe is probably my new favorite blend. It's an incredible watermelon blend. It smells great. It tastes great. There's all kinds of great stuff on Nerd Teas. Even if you're not really a tea aficionado, buy yourself a strainer, buy yourself a couple of blends, and give it a shot ski, you may find something that you love. NerdTees.ca, promo code BWFINEST. So obviously, you know what? The division round didn't go the way we wanted it to go. Not making excuses for it. It didn't go the way we wanted it to go. But that doesn't matter right now. The only thing that matters right now is how we do from here. We got the AFC Conference Championship. We got the NFC Conference Championship. And we've got Super Bowl. Thank you so much for being patient while I get this episode out, while I've been completely engrossed in the movie awards, and I hope you're watching them and I hope you're enjoying them, but here we go. AFC-NFC Conference Championship Round Predictions, let's do this. So we've been starting in the AFC the whole way through, so why change the system now? We'll start with the AFC, and the AFC Championship game is a matchup of the number three seeded Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to New England to take on the top seeded Patriots. New England favored by nine points at home with the total being set at 46. Jacksonville now 12 and six on the season as the number one seed out of the AFC South. They are 11 and three versus AFC competition this season, including a sparkling five and two mark away from home. By virtue of New England's victory last week, they are now 14-3 on the season as the number one seed in the entire AFC, but as champions of the AFC East. 11-2 versus AFC opponents this season, and a 6-1 mark at home. Battle of a great home team against what's been a pretty darn good road team this season. On the offensive side, so far in these playoffs, Jacksonville on offense has been averaging 304 yards of offense per game, 145 through the air, buck 59 on the ground. They have been thus far the most deadly running attack in these playoffs, and they've averaged 28 points a game 
on the back of that run game. New England offensively, we talked about them last week, a top 10 offense across the board, the number one total offense in football this season, number two by the pass, number 10 by the run, and the number two scoring offense in football this season. And in their first playoff game last week, they're coming off of putting up 438 yards of offense, 337 through the air, a buck one on the ground, on their way to 35 points against the Titans. Defensively so far in these playoffs, the Jags haven't exactly been themselves on average. Now look, it's been absolute night and day in terms of the opponents that they've had to face. I mean, look, you have Jacksonville who had to play an offensively inept Buffalo Bills team and then went into Pittsburgh and on the offense, by the numbers anyway, kind of got curb stomped, gave up way more than you would have expected Jacksonville to give up. Now, of course, that was also by virtue of the fact that Pittsburgh was playing from behind, had to get big chunks of yardage, allow, or sorry, score big points to try to make up the gap in that game. So you understand exactly why that's the case. But in the two games so far, Jacksonville, remember, the number two total defense in football this season, number one against the pass, and the number two scoring defense. On average, the Jacksonville Jaguars are allowing 404 yards of offense, 298 through the air, a buck six on the ground, and 23 points. That 23 points isn't terrible, but 404 yards of offense on average through the two games and nearly 300 yards through the air, that is a problem. Now, obviously, it's by virtue of the fact that Ben Roethlisberger kind of went nuts once Pittsburgh was way behind in that game, but still... Those numbers are disconcerting having to face an offense this week that just came off putting up 438 on, of course, a much inferior defense. They still put up those numbers. New England defensively, like we talked about last week, not exactly anything to write home about. The number 29 total defense, 30th against the pass, just barely top 20 against the run, but the absolute definition of bend but don't break as they were only the number five scoring defense in football this season top five in that regard against tennessee last week new england gave up 267 yards of offense in total 202 through the air only 65 yards of offense on the ground to derrick henry so they really committed to stopping the run last week and of course eventually tennessee had to abandon that to try to come back in the football game and i think that's what new england's going to have to do this week as well really commit to stopping the run and forcing blake bortles to try to beat them new england of course only giving up 14 points in that game against tennessee your average game between these two teams is incredibly incredibly close it's new england 23 jacksonville 22 pats having the smallest of margins in that game Put the average game in New England this season. New England at home, Jacksonville on the road. Spread opens up a little bit more, only by an extra point. New England 25, Jacksonville 23. Worth noting, the score went up. But in the last four games overall, that's kind of where the Patriots break things open. New England 4-0 in their last four games. Jacksonville 2-2, including the two losses at the tail end of the regular season. And that average game is 29 to 20. So Jacksonville's offense dips down a little bit. New England's defense and offense, they only turn up the pressure. This is a tough, very, very, very tough uphill climb for Jacksonville. 
storylines heading into this game for me, and I've chosen three for each game since there's only two games, obviously, on the slate. We're going to start in Jacksonville, where head coach Doug Marone had this to say about how you defend Rob Gronkowski. Quote, hope they don't throw him the football. Hope he drops it. There's no secret formula. I'd like to watch a game where someone has been able to do it. He's going to make his plays, and you hope those plays don't end up killing you. Well, that's got to be a huge confidence boost for his defense. I have a thought. Um, double team him. And the only reason that I say that is I watch a lot of Patriots games because I'm in Nova Scotia, Canada. So I'm very close uh, geographically to New England. So that's a lot of the games that I get. I get a lot of New England games. I get a lot of Buffalo games because we're kind of right in the area, right? Inevitably, when the Patriots get to the red zone, they put Gronk out and somebody only puts one player on him. I don't think there's one defensive player in the NFL right now that's capable of covering Rob Gronkowski one-on-one -on -one in the red zone. I don't. I just don't think right now that exists. He's too strong for cornerbacks. He's too fast for linebackers. He's too combo of both for safeties. Safeties can handle one or the other, but they can't handle both. It's Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. Over and over and over again, defenses... Cover Gronk one-on-one, -on -one, just man-to-man. -man. I understand why they do it, but it fails. It fails consistently. No one can cover Gronk one-on-one -on -one in the red zone. So you have to dedicate a second player to him. If somebody else scores a touchdown, then somebody else scores a touchdown. That you can't avoid. But what you can do is you can take Rob Gronkowski out of that play by dedicating two defensive players to him because that's the only way that you're going to cover him. So, hey, Doug Marone, that one's free. Give it a shot. Worth pointing out that earlier in his career, Doug Marone had a cup of coffee with the Buffalo Bills, so maybe he has some other idea about how you cover Gronk. We're going to stay in Jacksonville and... Hello, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, quote, We go into the Super Bowl... And we gonna win that bitch. Why? Why would you ever want to poke the bear like that? Like, <laughs> again, I'm not like a huge Patriots mark, but I realize who the big dog is. Why would you ever want to take that team and give them bulletin board material? That, to me, makes no sense at all. So on the inside, there's this little part of me that wants the Patriots to punch him in the mouth. Metaphorically, not literally. I don't know. I guess I don't get it because I don't hashtag play the game. But you know what? I It seems like a stupid idea to me. Seems like a really, really, really dumb thing to say. I realize you got the adrenaline of the moment. You just beat Pittsburgh. You're going to the AFC Championship game. I realize that. But... Mm, bad idea. And then obviously the big storyline heading into this game, Tom Brady leaving practice, I believe it was yesterday on Wednesday, after jamming his throwing hand, one of his teammates kind of backed into him. X-rays were negative, showed no structural damage. Is this a reason for concern? I think obviously it has to raise some kind of flag, and it raised a flag in Vegas as temporarily the line for this game went immediately down to New England minus eight, and I think the total dropped to like 44. Those lines have since self-corrected and they're back to the minus 9 and 46. But still, if you're a Patriots fan especially, is this reason for concern? 
I'm going to imagine probably not. This happened on Wednesday. He's got three full days today, tomorrow, and Saturday to recoup before he's got to, you know, start warming up for the game on Sunday. So if there's no structural damage, I, I doubt it's a reason for concern. But obviously, especially in the first couple of snaps of offense for the Patriots, you're going to want to watch number 12. I'll be watching number 12, and I'm pretty confident that I'm going to be watching number 12 lead his team back to the Super Bowl. Official prediction, New England 27, Jacksonville 21. I just, I don't think Jacksonville's, I don't think they've got enough. I don't, I just don't. They're going to be able to score their points here and take advantage of New England's defense, which is not exactly the greatest. If you would have had a better offensive team than Tennessee, maybe they could have taken more advantage of it. But again, New England put up 35 points on Tennessee. They're not going to put up 35 points on Jacksonville because the Jags defense is just that good. But Brady finds a way. The Pats find a way. Whether it's, you know, whatever it is, they find a way to win, and I think they're going to do that this week. They're not going to blow them out, but I like 27-21 in favor of New England. So straight up, I like the Patriots against the spread. Take that Jacksonville plus nine. It's just like last week. Even if you don't like them to win, take the points. Jacksonville plus nine in a game that goes over the 46-point total. All right, NFC Championship game. We see the number two-seeded Minnesota Vikings travel to Philadelphia to take on the NFC's top seed, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles, for the second week in a row, are home underdogs. Philadelphia plus three on the underdog in a game with the total set at 38.5 points. Both of these teams, by virtue of their victories last week, now sit at 14-3 and on the season after the bye week. Minnesota, the number one seed out of the NFC North. Philadelphia, champions of the NFC East. Both of these teams currently sit at 11-2 and versus NFC opponents this season. Minnesota, 5-1 and on the road against NFC opponents. Philadelphia, 6-1 and at home. Offensively, the Minnesota Vikings just sitting outside the top 10 in a couple of categories here. Total offense, where they are number 11, and they're number 11 through the air by the pass. They're the number 7 run offense in football from this regular season, and a top 10 scoring offense just at number 10. Last week, taking on the Saints, they put up 403 yards of offense, 308 of which came through the air, 95 yards on the ground, on their way to 29 points. The Eagles, mostly due to Carson Wentz, the number seven total offense in football this season. I shouldn't say mostly, because, I mean, they had a really good run game. But they were number 13 through the air, number three on the ground, number three run offense in football this season. So this is a number three run game versus the number seven run game. We can imagine what the offenses are going to look like. Philadelphia, the number three scoring offense in football this season, and a lot of that due to the quarterback Carson Wentz. Last week, Philadelphia, of course, led by Nick Foles, 334 yards of total offense, 238 through the air, 96 yards on the ground, on their way to 15 points. Defensively, this is a battle of two top five total defenses from this season. Minnesota, arguably the best defense in football this season. Number one total defense, Philadelphia, number four. Against the pass, Minnesota, the number two secondary in football this season, Philadelphia just number 17, so Minnesota might want to start sprinkling some pass offense in there. That is where the Eagles' defense 
statistically has been the most vulnerable this season. It's the top two run defenses in football, Philly number one, Minnesota number two. So while I'm sure they're going to be dedicated to the run, it'll be interesting to see whether success comes from it and a battle of two of the top five scoring defenses in football. Number one is Minnesota. Number four is Philadelphia. Last week against New Orleans, the Vikings gave up 358 total yards of offense, 278 through the air, just 80 on the ground to that uh, duo of Ingram and Kamara on their way to allowing 24 points. The Eagles, of course, taking on the Falcons, gave up 281 yards of offense, a buck 95 through the air, 86 on the ground, on their way to only allowing 10 points. Your average game between these two teams is a very slight advantage for the home team. Philly 22, Minnesota 21. Put that average game in Philadelphia. Philly's offense basically performs the same way. They score 23, but the defense definitely ramps it up. That game ends Philadelphia 23, Minnesota 18. But, and this is what I think is really telling you, look at the last four games. And this is basically all of the Nick Foles games. The last four games, the Vikings have peaked at the right time. Minnesota 4-0 in their last four games. Philly, look, they're 3-1. There's nothing to shake a stick at at a 3-1 record in your last four games. But you look at the average score. It's Minnesota 20, Philadelphia 14. There is no way of comparing these two teams offensively. I said it last week. The Philadelphia Eagles with Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles without Carson Wentz. And again, once again, this is not me begrudging Nick Foles. Nick Foles is a fine NFL quarterback, but let's not compare him to Carson Wentz in terms of what Wentz was able to do with that offense this season because it is not the same. And quite frankly, it's nowhere near as good. What Philadelphia has been able to do is lean on their defense, and the defense has been up to the task. As a matter of fact, both defenses have been up to the task, which leads me to my first storyline for this game. Over the past four games each, we're looking at Minnesota in the four games straight that they've won and Philly winning three of their last four. Both defenses, get ready for this because this is insane. Both defenses are giving up less than 15 points per game. On the Eagles side, Philadelphia, basically everybody you talk to is playing that, oh, no one's giving us a chance card. We're being disrespected. In my opinion, it's the only card that they have left to play. Quite, This is not a good offense right now. I'm going to go back to it. It's not a good offense. 15 points last week against the Falcons, and they had to hope and pray that Julio Jones dropped that pass or missed that pass, or they would have lost that game. He didn't miss the pass. They won. They get to go on. And that's not taking anything away from their defense because their defense is incredible. This is two of the best defenses in football, certainly both reaching their peak at the same time. This is going to be an incredible defensive battle. But offensively, and I don't care what the Kool-Aid drinkers say about Nick Foles, this is not a good offense right now. They're not showing me, they're not proving to me that this is a good offense right now. What was the, what was the stat that I gave you last week? Uh, let's see, starting week 15, the Eagles are averaging 18 points a game. Well, they're going to be averaging less than that now because they only scored 15 last week. 259 yards per game. I think it's going to be averaging right around sort of that same amount. Like, it's down incredibly. It's not a good offense right now, but the defense has played well enough to bail them out. 
Can they do it again? Can they continue to lean on the defense? Well, defense wins championships, so I guess we're going to have to see. One thing that is going in Philadelphia's favor is there are a ton of trends that are going against the Vikings heading into this football game. Since the year 2000, head-to-head Philadelphia is 6-2 against Minnesota. Now, obviously, that's only, what, a game every two years that they play against each other. But since 2000, Philly has won six of those eight games. The Eagles are also 9-2 straight up head-to-head against Minnesota in their last 11 games in Philly. Now look, we're talking about some bad Minnesota Vikings teams in there, so maybe that stat is a little misleading, but this one is really concerning. The Minnesota Vikings just 6-16 and all time in playoff games on the road. That means those were good teams. Those were playoff teams. And when they get a road game, uh, they're losing two out of every three, basically. So one could look at the football game this way. There are past trends that are going against one team, and there are current trends going against another team. Which one do you favor? I favor the current ones. Every season is a new season. Every season is its own little self-containing organism. And in this self-containing organism of the 2018 playoffs, I think the Vikings are going to play a home Super Bowl. In the matter of Keenum v. Foles, this judge is giving a decision to Keenum. We're going to go Minnesota 17, Philadelphia 13. This is going to be a defensive war. There will be some touchdowns scored, but this is going to be a low-scoring, tight game. The defense is one defense is going to have to come up with the final play of this football game, I believe. And I think it's going to be on Minnesota's side. We're going to take the Vikings 17-13. to So we like Minnesota to win the game straight up. We like the Vikings to cover the minus three that they're favored in a game that stays under 38.5 points. There you have it, my friends. Bridgewater's Finest is officially predicting a Minnesota home Super Bowl where they will take on the New England Patriots and what a spectacle that will be. So those are my picks for the AFC and NFC Championship games. It's time for the patented comment of the week. The comment of the week from the divisional round video is going to go to one of our co-leaders from the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool. It goes to Sean Cote, who is Nice Pats fan. Sean Cote comments, Hey, I'm Nice Pats fan. Can't believe I'm tied for first in my first year doing your Pick'em Pool. It's been fun. Thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate you being there. I hope you're going to come back next year to potentially defend your title. More than a Teal'in has been great competition down the stretch. Hopefully I can pull out the lead after this weekend. Well, you did. You're 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 in an, well, you did kind of cuz now you're in an absolute dead heat. As for the picks, I have no clue who's going to win the Atlanta Philadelphia game. Apparently neither did anybody else until the last play of the game. I'm actually leaning Philly right now because A, they're at home, B, they still have a great defense, and C, like you say, Atlanta's been on the road a ton lately. It has to catch up with them at some point. In any case, it should be a defensive struggle. Definitely was. I'll definitely be putting a little cash on the under. Good luck. Well, Sean, if you put some cash on the under, you definitely would have cashed out there as it only got to 25 points. And you definitely cashed out on your comment because yours is the comment of the week from the Divisional Round episode. Before we get you out of here, let's go over the picks one more time. 
In the AFC, I like New England to defeat Jacksonville at home in New England, 27 to 21. We like New England straight up. We're going to take Jacksonville plus nine against the spread in a game that goes over 46 points. And in the NFC, we like the Minnesota Vikings to buck their road woes and beat the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia 17 to 13. So we're going to take the Vikings straight up and we're going to take the Vikings to cover that three point spread in a game that stays under 38 and a half points. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the show this week. AFC and NFC Conference Championships go down on Sunday. Like I say, I only have to miss about the first hour of the first game, which is fantastic. I'll be able to see the vast, vast, vast majority of the games on Sunday. Absolutely cannot wait. I hope you enjoyed the divisional round. I hope your picks are going well. That's it for me. Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube. Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Divisional round is in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoy the games. And we'll see you again for Super Bowl 52. And with Gene Steratore refereeing, you know that victory or defeat is only an index card away. See you in two weeks. 